My name is Justin Gage, and you're tuned in to the Aquarium Drunkard Transmissions Podcast with your host, Jason Hilder. Hey listeners, welcome back to Aquarium Drunkard Transmissions. I'm Jason Woodbury. Thanks so much for joining us. This week on the show, I'm really excited to share a conversation I had with Philip Selway. You might know him best as the drummer of Radiohead, but for the last 13 years or so, he's also been making his own records, and his third one is out now. It's called Strange Dance on Bella Union Records. It's a sweeping and textural listen envisioned by its creator as something like a Carol King record made with Daphne Oram. The moment I saw that description, I was so delighted and dove in. Here's a little bit of the song Picking Up Pieces. caught up with Phil to dig in and discuss this new album. Along the way, we discussed his songwriting approach and explored why he decided not to play drums on this new one. We talked about Radiohead's side project arrangements and the band's relationship to peer groups like Portishead, Wilco, Nick Cave, and The Bad Seeds. We also got into the 20th anniversary of Radiohead's Hail to the Thief. Uh, We talked about a lot of stuff and I'm really excited to share this one with you before we get into it I am flipping through a new issue of aquarium drunkards Philomath zine uh, this new one is heading out to our patreon subscribers now and it features essays drawn from Eric Hare's monthly video drone column which is dedicated to art house cinema grindhouse glories and other cinematic masterworks like eyes wide shut Wild at Heart, Scorpio Rising, and more, which are featured in this new issue alongside other great movies. Philomath is designed and printed by the folks at Serial Box Studios, and it's a real joy to behold. Um, It looks incredible. They use awesome risograph printing methods, and it's got this just amazing charm, great texture, grain to everything in it, and Eric's essays are just a blast. We had so much fun putting this one together, and I'm so excited that you Patreon supporters will be able to flip through your own copy soon. If you want one, you can head over to Aquarium Drunkard's Patreon. You get bonus audio there too and other fun stuff, but moreover, for just a few dollars a month, you can help us keep making Aquarium Drunkard what it is, a place for music and discovery and uh, a place that eschews the hype and tries to focus in on stuff that we really dig. From old records to new records, we, we hear often from 
people pitching us like is it okay if i write about this record that came came out six or seven months ago uh, and a lot of outlets will tell folks no the time has passed on that one not the case at aquarium drunkards so if you dig that approach and you want to support it head over to our patreon you get a great new philomath zine we've got more on the way and uh, that will conclude this plug. So let's get into it. My conversation with Philip Selway, joining me for a strange conversational dance. This is Transmissions. Thanks so much for being with us. <laughs> and whereabouts are you, Jason? I'm in Arizona, Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, God, I haven't been there for a long time. Yeah, gosh, it's been so, quite a while, I'm sure. So there, there's um, a Phoenix-related fact, a Radiohead. Um, there's um, on on the album The Bends. I think it's on The Bends. It's the track. This it's self The Bends. There's like a little excerpt of a marching of a of a, a school kind of marching band thing, and that was recorded in in Phoenix. No kidding. Were you were you guys playing a show here? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that would have been back in like '93. Wow! That time, so. Wow, that's awesome. That's awesome. I didn't realize we had an Arizona connection there. Yeah. There you go. Well, congrats on your your great new record, uh, "Strange Dances." Thank you very much. It's it's really really lovely, and you know, I was thinking when you're performing with Radiohead. We don't really get much of a chance to see any strange dance moves of your own, but I wonder if if you if uh, if you're known for uh, do you bust any moves when you're performing these tunes on stage or what? What what inspired the title? <laughs> yeah, no, Tom's definitely got a monopoly on that when we when we do Radiohead shows. He's a little uh, known for it for sure. Yeah, absolutely, he's very good at it too. Um, Busting moves, yeah. Whoa, I don't, I'm not sure anybody wants to see that from me, really. I just kind of, kind of, I keep it nice and contained. Um, um, That's good. Cool. But yeah, no, the the, the um, but the, the kind of the idea of the strange dance on on this one, it's it's that that sense that you have in life, kind of where you're just trying to marry up all these kind of very conflicting aspects of your life and you're trying to find a path through them sometimes it can you know whoever you're going through that with it can feel like you're kind of negotiating this this strange dance through it all at points so that's kind of yeah that's where that one comes from well these last couple of years have been so uh normal and placid for everybody i know i can't imagine what you might mean by in terms of having to negotiate through all the weirdness obviously kidding around there but but yeah, it's 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 a great. This is your this is the third solo one, right? It is, yeah. So this uh, the third one based in kind of around songs. I also did a um, a soundtrack uh, album as well for a film called Let Me Go. Um, so yeah, but this is when I first started thinking about doing solo work. I kind of had it in my mind that I would um, like to do three albums and see kind of where that took me and it's been quite I, I've, I've enjoyed the arc on it really i think it's um it's it's kind of taken me into this kind of like creative and musical collaborations which um I, i've been able to build up over uh, over a period of time now um and you know 
a lot of stuff I kind of haven't anticipated doing, stuff like the soundtrack work. Uh, but it's just been amazing building up all these kind of musical relationships. And then, so in some ways, making this record was kind of just like pulling together all of those elements from the past decade, really. And um, yeah, I think my original plan of, of just doing three records, I'm hoping I'm going to knock that one on the head. I want to carry on making them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I... I think you should because the 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 way that these three records have unfolded, they all have they all obviously feel very um, connected. They all sound like you, you know, like they were songs that came from yeah. you. But they've all developed and uh, sort of exhibited these different sides of of you from the more placid stuff. I, some of the string arrangements on this new one are just so grand and arching and really propulsive. And and that felt like a new element from the maybe more, uh, you know, hushed folk elements of the first record. So it's it's cool to hear the way things have continued developing and that you've gotten more adventurous as a songwriter, it sounds to me at least. Yeah, it's again, it's a response to those uh, musical relationships I've, I've developed as I've been making my records. So, I mean, with the string and the kind of the more orchestral arrangements in, in this album, that's kind of grown out of the soundtrack work. And um, through that, I mean, on when I was making my second record, uh, Weatherhouse, um, I had a session with a string quartet called uh, the Elysian Quartet. And through that, uh, I kind of started working with their cellist, Laura Moody. And I'd actually been working with Laura on, on my soundtrack work and then just kind of talking with her about how I envisaged the soundscape and the kind of the elements I wanted to pull into that uh, for this record. It just, you know, it, it felt like a very natural progression then to move towards Again, well, a lot of quartet work in there, but also those bigger, lusher orchestral sounds in there. Um, those kind of arrangements you can almost just live in and walk around in. And um, so, but you know, kind of without those those steps beforehand through through the other records and through the other projects and everything, kind of you don't get there. So, I mean, it's that that sense that actually, yeah, everything each step of the way is building on on the other. And um, I'm just, you know, delighted with the kind of the position that left me in coming in to make this record because there was a lot I could draw on from from there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the one of the sort of tidbits that everybody's lashed onto about this record is that you opted not to play drums on it. You you worked with a, <laughs> uh, another drummer, but uh, I, I wonder for you as somebody who. As, as a drummer but also a songwriter how often when you're writing the songs are you thinking in terms of the rhythmic arrangement or the sonic the sonic uh direction that the finished version might take i mean how, how when does that enter into your mind in the process as a songwriter so the kind of the overall sonic of it i think that kind of going into it knowing that i wanted it to be a kind of a big soundscape in there I've described it as kind of a big broad and and, and tall. Um, that was there from the outset, really. Um, rhythmic in terms, I kind of knew the kind of rhythmic textures I wanted to 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 try and build into the to the songs. I didn't really have the patterns in in my head at the time, 
Um, that I, as I say, I knew the textures that I wanted in there. Um, and, um, but kind of then actually having that, that soundscape in, in mind, I knew that that was a space where kind of all these musical relationships that I've been building up, which I felt were kind of producing really good work. I felt there was a space for all of those within that, in, within that soundscape and just seeing how all of those elements could knit together. Um, as you said, I kind of, uh, I, I'd originally come into it thinking, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll do the drums. That's what I do. And I got that day into the, my, my attempts in the studio. I mean, there are bits of my drumming on there. Um, but, um, they, uh, I got about a day and a half into it and realized it wasn't happening in the way that I wanted it to and at the speed I wanted it to. You know, I said my, 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 my head was in a different space for it. It was very much in that kind of overview. Um, kind of overall sonic side of, of, of the record and um, and also because I've been focusing on on getting the songs and the kind of like the session templates already I, I hadn't been drumming and I'm, I'm not the kind of person who can step away from drumming and then come back into it I was really off the pace so but yeah I had a few gentle words of myself um, kind of simultaneously sulking and uh and and being stern <laughs> and then um yeah uh it just uh, spoke had a conversation with marta uh, about it and just kind of set out my feelings about it. so it's marta salonyi who's um um produced and, and mixed the album and she she'd done a lot of work with uh valentina magaletti who came in to do all the drumming and percussion on the record uh, and she, you know, she felt uh, made her instincts that Valentina would 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 bring something really special to it, and she she wasn't wrong. She Valentina kind of it's just brought this life and this vitality that's their kind of the core of the record, and gave this really good bed that we could build all these other elements on on top of. So yeah, I, I'm I, I'm just about speaking to myself again now about the, the decision to 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 pull my drumming tan talents but i think it was the right one yeah i mean the 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 funny thing about your your position as a songwriter on this record and as the person whose name is going to be on the front of the record is that you, in a weird way you have to know when to collaborate with yourself and when to not collaborate with yourself you know and i think yeah. i think that that that's that's cool that you made that call and that you were able to working with Marta who I I'm sure your inclination is to trust your your collaborators and that's it sounds like that was the right move cuz the 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 drumming on the record is incredible and very very moving as a drummer what are you listening for in another player um usually like what are the qualities that draw you to a drummer um, I, I think kind of there's having a very individual voice, a kind of a very um, particular pulse, a pulse that's particular to them, the way that they, they place um, kind of all the different kind of percussive voices around the beat. Um, and I think with, with Valentina, what was, was there, but um, it's, it's just, you know, uh, she, she's, 
honed her craft to you know a, a very fine degree so there, there's been a lot of work that's gone in there but actually she that's not what drives doesn't feel like that's what's driving her her work in in the studio there's something very kind of instinctive about how she plays there's, there's this real sense of spontaneity um and actually you can't bring that spontaneity into it unless you've done all that work around it over the years sure. and um and so yeah they she was kind of responding to the songs a kind of a, in a really um uh kind of sympathetic way but also bringing her own personality in and around that and and i think yeah i think like in, in any play you, you i kind of i want to hear hear that that personality shining through um, yeah. Yeah. and it's very much the case with with valentina reading interviews that you've done about this record i was struck you know when like a specific drum talk would come up and people would start asking about particularly tricky time signatures or you know in radiohead obviously you're known for this sort of the word mathematic gets thrown around but i was <laughs> but i was really surprised to read in so many of these interviews where you were like yeah, i'm not usually counting that way or i'm not usually playing from that more um regimented thing so it sounds like when you're talking about her work on the album like you are also being sort of uh similarly you're 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 maybe looking for somebody who's who's listening to the song the same way which is maybe the, is that would you say that's the key to your uh, approach on the drums yeah i think i think you're right i think that's a, that's a very astute way of looking at it um it's you know uh, i don't think it, anybody listening to a, a, a song or a record or anything kind of kind of uh, well i mean some people do listen to it and just go oh, i've counted about five different time signatures and that which is is great i mean it's, it's an impressive skill to have but on the whole that's not what moves you in in a piece of music um and um yes yeah, so i i felt that um kind of um I felt an affinity to what um, Valentina was doing there, um, and uh, kind of was was ever so slightly in awe of her ability as well. You uh, you've worked with other drummers uh, before, I think. On you you worked with uh, Glenn Kochi from Wilco at one point, mm. right? I did. Yeah, that was amazing. Well, I saw, I've been sorry. Take care, of Jason. No, I, I was going to say, you know, he's somebody who, similar, similarly to yourself, you could spend a lot of time trying to figure out what he's doing, you know, but yeah. but when you're listening to it, 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 that's not, for me at least, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sitting there trying to count and figure it out because he's such an expressive player that Absolutely. It, it makes whatever tricky thing he's doing not feel rooted in in whatever daredevilism or or you know anything like that and i feel like you're similar that way where it's like there's a musical approach to to drumming that is rooted more in that band interplay yeah. song craft you know absolutely i mean that's uh, for me i guess that's where i've come from 
uh, with with my drumming. You know, I start when I started uh, playing drums. It was around the same time that I started uh, trying to write songs. Um, and so I think for me, the, the kind of the the, uh, the kind of the drive to to making music has been kind of what serves the song, what brings out the best in the song, what makes it kind of connect with people in the best way. So I've kind of always tried to approach my drumming in that same way. And yeah, you mentioned Glenn, Glenn's playing in, in Wilco and, and everything that he does around that as well. And you, you see that, you know, he's he's got all these all these layers of textures there. And he kind of does all these incredible things the way that he prepares his his drum kit to play on really inventive ways of doing that but kind of when he needs when you just need that kind of that gut punch from playing he delivers that and um uh, and that is just so exciting and so seeing somebody up close who can combine all those different elements and and make it feel natural um yeah i felt incredibly lucky working with glenn similarly with uh, Valentina and all drums I've, I've actually got to work with outside of my own drumming. So, you know, um, and uh, I'm working with another drummer at the moment called uh, Chris Vatalaro and we've done a lot of work and he, he came, he'd come up through that whole kind of Brooklyn music scene, kind of doing stuff with that tone and, and, and um, acts around that. And so, you know, he's, he's kind of, it, again, he's got all those layers to what he he does. So, yeah, I feel I I, I sit there with kind of my notebook when I'm watching them because you 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 right up close to it and it's just like oh that's a good idea. Oh, yeah, I have to go go away and try that one. Yeah, that's really that's really cool, and it's I think it's fascinating thinking about your work in Radiohead, where not only have you at times played off of electronic rhythms, which have been a part of the band's uh, sort of sonic tapestry for decades now. Um, not only are you playing a lot off electronic rhythms, but there's also, you know, you've performed with the second drummer uh, in, in Radiohead as well, obviously, Clive, Clive Beamer. Yeah. So I love thinking about the sort of like, the the possibilities afforded you as a player by having somebody else to work off in that in that way um in terms of creating like tension push and pull between rhythms the, the you know the sort of a couple years ago one of the first shows i saw post pandemic was king crimson uh and oh, wow. and they were doing the the two drummer thing and similar to what we've said about yourself or Glenn, you know, it's tempting to get caught up in the spectacle and the sort of technical stuff that's on display. But yeah. when it was happening, I wasn't really thinking about any of that. I was thinking about this incredible sound coming off the stage. Mm -hmm. You know, I wasn't thinking about the, the specifics that way. And... I feel like Radiohead and your own approach to rhythm opens up so much space for that kind of dynamic interplay. And yeah. And to me that's that that's just so cool. So then to hear you take that, bring it to your own songs is also a really fascinating situation. It's a fascinating way to look at the way you you play with rhythms cuz the cuz the 
it's it's a very rhythmic record, Strange Dance. Um, but it doesn't mm. but it doesn't sound like a Radiohead record. It sounds like some other thing. You know, I don't. It's it's very cool. It's yeah. a very cool thing. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting that that point that kind of I mean, it was in any kind of ensemble. I think what what's what can be really exciting is how each person within that places themselves around around the pulse, and that's you get that push and pull. I mean, same kind of Radiohead, like with uh, Colin Greenwood, um, um, that where we have uh, as a rhythm section we kind of like push and pull against each other all the time kind of we don't necessarily lock in like a, a, a like a classic rhythm section but from that you do just get this this kind of edgy dynamic coming out of it and and it's um yeah it, it really draws you in it catches your ear and um and i think I think you get that element in kind of all. I I, I can hear that in all, all all the best ensembles that I that I kind of really respond to, and I think it's um, yeah, it's uh, it's it, it's something that you can't analyze because you can, you're talking about milliseconds in in how everybody uh, differences in how everybody interprets it, but yeah. it just makes a world of difference to the listening experience. No, absolutely. I don't know if you had a chance to read. It was a book that came out last year by the uh, the author Dan Charnas about Jay mm-hmm. Dilla, the hip hop producer. No, um, he he wrote a book called Dilla Time, which is specifically about mm-hmm. um, that producer's. Although he was u- utilizing you know beat beat machines and samplers to create his beats, his decisions at the tiniest you know fraction of a second in terms of where the beat drops keeps it from ever sounding truly machine-like even though he was utilizing you know he, he he wasn't doing it to a grid but was still utilizing early you know beat technology and i think that maybe that's one of the things that has made radiohead such a dynamic presence over the last however many decades is that no matter how electronic it gets, there's a crew of humans making sure it stays human too, you know? Like, it can't be just uh, machine-like. And and to me, that has really been one of the, not just sort of, like, meta-textual overarches of Radiohead, this idea of the man and the machine or whatever, but truly your organic core as a group of players and the kind of push and pull that you're talking about that can't really be quantized. Um, to me, that's just so, that's so fascinating and speaks to all of you guys as artists, not just, because if you were so hung up, I'm the drummer in the band, uh, you you might lose yeah. sight of all this, right? <laughs> yeah. I think I think what you're saying is it's a very very generous and kind way of saying our planes a bit sketchy actually. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, but I mean, but also kind of I mean, it's, to a certain extent, you know, we learned how. To, it's not like we're kind of all these kind of like really accomplished musicians when we when we started the band. We were at high school, and and so we've we've kind of learnt how to to. To, 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 we've learned to play our instruments around each other. So 
that's been in relation to each other, which, yeah. um, and uh, hopefully we've got better, we've become better musicians over the years and uh, we can hold, hold it down now, but there've been <laughs> points where you kind of, you have to work within the limitations of, of, of what you can do, but that that kind of makes these, you know, makes them some really interesting ideas along the way uh, as well. So yeah. v- very much so, very much so. I so I had read that you you thought of you had like a description for Strange Dance where you said a Carol King record with Daphne Orem on it. Is that <laughs> <laughs> yeah fantasy collaboration between the two of them? Um, I mean, and so <laughs> I'm imagining that record, and I also would very much like to hear uh, that yeah, yeah. that that record. But but I I wondered on the Carol King side of it. Um, what 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 are some of the first sort of songs that you remember encountering as like a very young person that shaped your your sense of of what songwriting was 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 Tapestry by Carole King a record you heard and encountered in your youth or was that something that you came to later in life? Uh, that's something I came to to later. I think I think kind of when you when you're a kid, so much of your music is determined by what your parents are listening to or your older siblings are listening to. Um, so, I mean, like kind of, uh, parent, parent wise, it would have been kind of Beatles, I guess, that kind of thing. And, um, but kind of with my two older sisters, you know, they, they, they kind of spanned that kind of like kind of prog into, to, to punk into new wave. So I could hear all of that going off in, in, in their bedrooms. And that's kind of really informed uh, kind of music that I, I then listened to and 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 wanted to make, um, uh, but I think kind of throughout what really drew me into anything kind of and this is what kind of uh, kind of draws me to Carol King the Carol King analogy is having that song that can just stand up in its own right at the heart of it and um, I think once you've got that then you can you can kind of like tear it up in any way that you want to, but that song will always shine through and it just frees you up to make kind of like whatever you want to around that. You can make, you can try and find these fascinating textures and combinations in there. Um, and, um, you know, I think you can take any Carol King song and, and, and try and, uh, and uh, do it in kind of like a thousand different ways. That song will still hit home, and you, you just get all this wonderful music coming out of it and responding to it. Yeah, absolutely. And then when you think about her as like coming up in the Brill Building, the sort of like mm. foundational elements of songwriting that is intrinsic to everything she does. Yeah, that's a great that's a great reference point. And then obviously you throw the sort of experimental touch into it with the Daphne Orum suggestion, which I think is another yeah. fascinating fascinating way to go about it. Are you somebody who when you're conceiving of your records, you often have some sort of imaginal touchstones or or sort of like loose concepts that guide things or again, does that sort of just maybe develop as the work comes along part of it develops um as it as it comes along i think uh, that that analogy the carol king daphne oren thing came from um it's like a synthesis of the 
the people that I wanted, I knew I wanted to work with on this album. And though, on the whole, people I've, I've been building up these musical relationships with over a while. So kind of uh, a very key musician in, in it all. And throughout a lot of my solo stuff has been a multi-instrumentalist called Quinta. Uh, and then there's Adrian Utley from Portishead. And, and kind of Adrian, Quinta and myself had... Uh, um, worked on uh on a final incarnation of 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 a, of a piece which we um quinter and i uh had collaborated with another artist called arden uh for a, a dance company run by a dance company here in, in the uk which was kind of reinterpreting uh nurse cunningham's uh choreography and kind of just actually bringing that group together adrian quinter and myself suddenly it felt like so so versatile there was a real richness and uh um kind of uh given it's kind of like a trio it just felt as though there, there was kind of like this scope for like a really big soundscape in there and loads of different musical textures and so kind of that kind of felt like that could be a really good core to the record but then other musicians that i've worked with over uh, over the course of, of it, like Laura Moody, who did all the string and brass arrangements, um, and, and and then people who have been kind of music I've, I've been responding to um, in the lead up to making the record, so it's like Hannah Peel. Um, uh, so she, and she's kind of has that very kind of experimental electroacoustic approach and. Um, uh, so, you know, uh, I, I guess it was kind of having all those elements in mind and then just trying, you know, finding a way of, of knitting, knitting them all together. Putting your music up online is not always the easiest thing in the world to figure out, but DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and... As an artist, you keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million-plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music into Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, all the major streaming services. You can use it to edit your lyrics and your song credits. So important in the internet age to let people know the kind of people you're collaborating with. And uh, DistroKid makes that easy. You can also see all your stats from the streamers and, of course, add a credit card to purchase album extras. The DistroKid app is available now on iOS and Android. Go to the app or Play Store to download it. When did you first get familiar with Adrian's work? Were you following along with, you know, Portishead's run when that was uh, uh, taking place? Yeah, I mean, I guess we were kind of going uh, alongside each other. Mm -hmm. at, at that time and that our paths would cross um and uh kind of the, the uh you know i think there's a lot there's been a lot of crossover between radiohead and portishead over the years i'm kind of like clive Deemer being the, the, the kind of the most right. striking one in that um and there's i think feel there's just like kind of a, there's an affinity there really i think in, in some way in one aspect i think we kind of speak the same musical language i mean adrian has uh, he's the most incredible musician uh, you know his um you know his his background is kind of coming from session work coming from jazz so he's he's an incredibly versatile musician um and then 
you know, with Porter's head happening, he, yeah, I think, yeah, I think it's fair to say he's kind of been one of the, the more influential musicians of the past couple of decades. Oh, um, certainly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's, I kind of, I have to pinch myself, really. And I kind of, and I did for kind of these sessions, just, just thinking, oh my God, these people have agreed to work with me. That's incredible. And yeah. uh, it's just that thing when you've kind of really, really admire what people do and then they're prepared to kind of to trust in your process as well. And, and, and then when, when you start working and it works out, it's just like, that's, oh yeah, that's such a good feeling. It's, it's a very affirming um, feeling. And um, yeah, yeah. Lots of that on this record. So as you can tell, I really enjoyed making it. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it was an absolute blast and a really creatively engaged situation. Mm. Obviously, Radiohead, you guys are all busy doing projects. Everybody's got yeah. everybody's got stuff going on. There's the smile, of course. Uh, Ed mm -hmm. O'Brien's got his his project. Colin yeah. Colin is part of Nick Cave's He's he's been working with Nick Cave. What did you think when yeah. you when you first heard that that was was going down? How did you hear that he had started working with with Nick? Oh, that was I I just thought that was the coolest thing, you know. Um, it's such an exciting gig, and actually, it makes complete sense. Uh, I mean, Colin's incredible bassist and incredible musician, um, and actually, you know, there, there's something kind of Colin's playing connects on a very profound level i think very good it's it's, it's um yeah it's a very his his playing is very soulful mm -hmm. and actually i think that just keys straight into what nick cave and warren ellis do bad seeds and yeah i thought it, that was um yeah and and I, i've not seen them live yet but i've seen seen clips and i just think yeah, that works that's really good <laughs> yeah were you were you uh d did you did you kind of come up as a nick cave fan because obviously he's he's he was m making uh records a little before radiohead i mean uh mm. with birthday party and stretching back and then obviously bad seeds but was that an influence on on you in any way or or when did you get into nick's records i guess it would have been the first kind of work of his that I um uh connected it was the um uh now I'm I'm shocking on album title the boatman's call yeah boatman's call sure yeah and that's where I first really connected with his work and then the kind of uh the grinderman work as well um that stuff is so good <laughs> isn't it just yeah and but also that kind of that kind of musical journey that um uh Nick Cave's been on particularly this past decade, you know, it's just watching, it's like watching a kind of this, this incredible, incredibly powerful artists kind of land properly in themselves. And, and yeah, this almost kind of like, almost feeling like this kind of spiritual experience, listening to it and watching it and, um, yeah, is I mean, is is uh, he's he is incredible. Yeah, I I always find myself moved by artists that keep 
tinkering is the wrong word because that sounds because <laughs> mm. that sounds like uh dismissive i don't mean it that way i mean boldly experimenting would be the right word you know in terms of like <laughs> their approach because you play a record like Ghostine to somebody who had grown up listening to the birthday party, they wouldn't know what to make of it. You know, I still don't know what to make of it. It's so what you're talking about is it's been really incredible to see him do that. And it's been incredible. And it's been incredible to watch a band like Radiohead. I mean, I, I feel like all of your recent projects speak to that desire to keep pushing and finding new ways of expressing something, you know, whether it's together or uh, on your own or in various configurations. I was thinking about it, and I mean, side projects have been a part of the Radiohead conversation for decades now, which is another thing that I, it's, yeah. it, you kind of, it it almost dawned on me because I was like, you know, I want to ask about how everybody's off working on these projects, but it's been that way for quite a while, right? I mean, so I imagine you guys are pretty comfortable as a crew in terms of dispersing when you do and coming back together when that starts to feel right. Has it always been a pretty intuitive kind of working arrangement and or, or how long has it been like that? Um, I, I guess it's one of those things you, you, you do find your way through it you, you kind mm-hmm. of you, it's a bit and i think you feel increasingly comfortable with it uh, i think we have um and i think you know and from the outset with it as well i think we've all been very supportive of of us all doing uh projects outside the band because i think you know it's, it's kind of it's what you want for each other because i mean you, you kind of get that kind of uh that, that broader creative fulfillment out of it um you know there's uh, i guess for all of us um there's a lot that we'd like to do uh, and that kind of radiohead kind of uh is is that synthesis of 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 like that that kind of it's, it's like the kind of those venn diagrams it's, it's the, the bit in the middle of what we all do which um which kind of everything overlaps in that little bit there um which is great i mean as uh, i love it but it's it's but all of these other areas are very intrinsic to making that bit work as well so um and yeah and it also and it's kind of uh, you know for me seeing uh the others work in different contexts you know colin with with nick cave and warren ellis uh going to see uh, going to see the smile and um, watching them uh, Tom and Johnny play with um, Tom Skinner is kind of an incredible dr- drummer. Um, you get a kind of a, 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 a fresh take on on everybody again and the kind of then then with Ed with his um, uh, with Earth uh, album and then kind of what he's working on uh, now as as well. You know, I think you. It, you get an even better understanding of um, of each other's musical identity from it, um, and um, yeah, and it's all good music. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> I, I yeah, I I agree, I agree. I feel like there, and I guess maybe um, 
what I was saying earlier about everybody's desire to serve the the overall project to contribute mm. to the overall idea you know i think that requires a certain sacrifice of ego on the term on, on the term of the individual player and it sounds right. and it sounds to me like that has made it easier basically to have a similar sense when it comes to what everybody else is doing because you're just hearing them do something that is fascinating on its own. You can enjoy it as a sort of third third party person. And then Yeah. And that when things come back together, everybody's able to to bring whatever experience to the to the to the overall project. And that to me is just it sound I mean, it kind of sounds like what every band hopes they can get to, right? Like someday, which is like freedom and autonomy and togetherness and cohesion you know it's it's i don't know yeah and we got our cake and and, and, and we can eat it and everything i guess we've so. got it all <laughs> radiohead how jammy is that <laughs> radiohead figured it out that's what that's what that's what we'll go oh, I with don't know about that. i think we're way <laughs> off that yet but um well yeah, we've certainly uh we've certainly had a good 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 path through it but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. um I, I was curious, though, and this is a question that I've asked of a few of our guests here on the Transmissions podcast, but does Radiohead have a a, a group text thread? Do you, you know, do you no. have... No? <laughs> no. <laughs> We're old school. We do it face-to-face. Face-to-face. There's not, there's not an yeah. email... There's not like a, an infinitely long email chain full of details or whatever. <laughs> not really no i mean yes yeah you know i mean of course the emails happen but um i think kind of anything that really needs um needs us kind of to 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 make a collective decision then we find that that's um that's much better if we're doing it face to face really and uh and it's good it's, it comes back to that whole thing kind of when the five of us are in a room together i think we can we can kind of bash out some some good decisions <laughs> yeah yeah well so i wanted to ask a little bit about the record hail to the thief which um turns 20 this year which is weird yeah. which is weird for me to say because i got that the year i graduated high school so uh oh wow so i'm feeling my age a little bit but um <laughs> how do you think that makes me feel i <laughs> <laughs> how old does that make me feel <laughs> pro- pro- it probably does but you'll have to console yourself by knowing that it was uh, a mind-blowing record to me and so uh wow. it remains so uh I wonder when you look back 20 years ago on the Radiohead that made Hail to the Thief, what what sticks out to you about those days? What do you hear in that record when you reflect back on it? Um, I kind of I, I, I hear the uh, I, I I kind of see the sessions um, that we did. A, a lot of that came out of kind of the initial sessions that we did at Ocean Way in in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. um, which felt kind of like a, a bit of a departure for, for how we'd recorded before. Um, and I, in some ways that, that record still f- feels like two different records. And um, uh, there is that the, the kind of, the, the, the kind of the more uh, kind of 
the band side um and then there's the kind of the, the rather more experimental side the more rather more electronic side um and um i think we packed a lot into that record <laughs> yeah uh, and but it's um it was you know having kind of I guess we've been jumping around, really. So you go from Pablo Honey through to Benz, OK Computer, Kid A and Amnesia, all very different albums. Yeah. And I, I guess Hail to the Thief, it, it seemed to be trying to kind of pull all those different elements together. Um, and in a way, kind of like as a, in some ways, it is it's, it's that precursor to, to In Rainbows, where I think actually all those elements just felt as though they kind of bedded in they felt very that felt like a very natural process you you, you can you can really hear hear the sound of the, a, a band that really you know in tune and playing with each in tune with each other and and and, and they've got a good sense of their identity and i think hail to the thief was very important um to to get to that that stage and but, but you know health of three if you've got this kind of like two plus two equals five and you've got there there and uh and you've got uh um idiotech's on that one isn't it yeah uh, you know all of these songs which kind of like kind of become kind of very central to to how i i, I think of us uh, as as a band and and, and they're there and uh, i guess you're not so aware of it at the time when you're making it you need you need that distance of 20 years to, to look back on it and realize you know the significance it had in in the band at the time and how the band uh, went on to develop yeah i i hear what you're saying when i revisited it to get ready for this conversation and found mm. myself thinking First off, there are just some some rock some rock songs on that record, you know, like it. Yeah, <laughs> Radiohead rocks on that record. That's what I'll say. Mm. Uh, but, and I'm thinking about how coming off of a particularly experimental jag at that point, you had you'd really been taking apart what Radiohead is, and so it is interesting to hear you talk about how there was an attempt or the beginning of not an attempt it was just naturally you're starting to synthesize these different things when a mm -hmm. band has been around for a while i suppose that's what starts to happen is that you just understand the organism much better than you did um yeah but it's a fascinating yeah. it's a fascinating record and it it does feel like it points towards the next sort of the next step i mean i think maybe in rainbows kicks that off now it's like right not not radiohead 2.0 that doesn't sound right <laughs> <laughs> but you know what i mean so it's it's interesting to hear i mean the drums on there there i mean alone that's like one of the most like iconic drum drum bits what do you remember about that one coming together that's exciting <laughs> um that was actually that that's one of the tracks that kind of we then uh, when we when we finished working uh, at ocean wave we went back to our studio uh in oxfordshire a studio we had at the time and yeah i kind of remember that kind of building up those those textures on that that drum pattern 
and then kind of you get that little Drake out section in yeah. there, which was a huge amount of fun to play, really. And um, yeah, um, I bet you kind of you, you at the time when you when you when you when you're pulling all this together. I mean, you, you kind of I, I guess you're not completely. It, it, it's sounding new to your ears, so it's kind of not necessarily bedded in there at that point and so you feel like you feel anxious about it you question it at, at, at the time um but and, and 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 this is something that comes with the with the trick of, of production as well actually kind of coming back to it after a while and seeing how that that all knits together yeah it all feels kind of it all feels quite deliberate. And I guess it was deliberate, but at the time, it it kind of felt like very much a work in progress, and, and it, the process can feel quite fragile when you're going through that as, as, as well. Um, but yeah, it's um, yeah, I'm, I should go back and have a listen to it properly. Actually, you should. It's a good. It's a good record. I, I remember the. Uh, I remember the sort of. Um the political overtones or the sociological element of that record, you know, mm. being in some ways it is one of Radiohead's more straightforward works uh, in some ways. But then listening back to it, I thought to myself that maybe 18 year old me <laughs> was bringing a slightly simplistic read to it because it feels much more complicated to me than it, than it did then in terms of, protest music or anything like that but but i wonder with the lyrics and the iconography of said lyrics being such a big part of radiohead if that's something that you guys discuss as a group the themes or the ideas or is that something that you you know kind of how how does that how does that side of things are there discussions about what things mean in Radiohead? I guess is what I'm grappling towards. Um. Oh, you should probably probably ask us each exactly. individually that question. Would have a different take on it. Um. <laughs> I. Yeah. I, to, 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 I find myself in the situation still. Um, you, you know, there's a lot to respond to when you're a studio in, in, in the studio when we're all in the studio together because you have Stanley Donwood in there, kind of, uh, kind of painting and pulling together all the images, um, and you have so much going off all around. There's a lot of information to take in at the time, um, and kind of, I find my way is not to kind of overanalyze that at the time is to let that all kind of seep in. And yeah. um, I think, you know, subconsciously you do, um, uh, you're very influenced by that, but no, I, I mean, personally, I don't sit down with Tom and say, hmm, okay, so two plus two equals five. Can talk me through that one, Tom. Yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> doesn't, it hasn't happened really. And I still find myself, <laughs> like on the last lot of last round of touring, um, we'd be playing a song, and it suddenly dawned on me what the lyric, a particular lyric was, which kind of it, it, it passed me by. And I go, that's really good, isn't it? Yeah. You know, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's 
that's fascinating because it is a it, it's an element that like you know <laughs> it's funny that as listeners we're, we're so often interested in figuring out what something means mm-hmm. and 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 recognizing that that a band is a is a, a an or an organism made up of individual parts and they might all think it means different things you know to me that is yeah absolutely i mean that speaks to the fluidity of of the work and of meaning which is all why we like music and why we're here you know so i but it's 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 interesting to hear it's interesting to hear that that also when you're working in the studio each stage of it is just a draft i mean it's not until you know you get that final final version with you have to commit to something up to then, everything's still kind of wide open, really. So, um, yeah, a, a song can have quite a, a varied life of, as it's going through that. But each each stage leaves its its imprint in there somewhere. Um, but yeah, I, I think sometimes it, it takes a while um, until a while after that you can, you can you come back to it and, and actually you really kind of. I think you kind of like truly understand the song. You need you need to do that from a distance. I think. Yeah, I think about "True Love Waits" closing moon, a moon shaped pool, a song that obviously had been in the, you know, the public's understanding of Radiohead for again quite a long mm-hmm. time. But hearing that it's it, you know the version that's on that record is so powerful and so moving and a deeply emotional one to listen to but to just know that not only is it that for us but that all of you guys as individuals had lived with that song in different shapes for a long time as well you yeah. know it's it's interesting what what uh the time something needs to gestate you know or that it needs yeah. to develop and when it when it becomes right you know and how to understand that is a is a I'm sure a fun challenge. Yeah, songs definitely do find their time. I mean, uh, kind of. I mean, I, I found this on on my records. A strange dance, the actual title track itself. That's a song that had been around for for me. I mean, like since before we were signed. You know, I kind of first wrote that on, on a guitar, and it became a piano song. I just didn't know what to do with it. And yeah. some things need to sit there until actually they make sense you know they, they, they land at the right time and for me that song became about you know okay this this group of musicians it suddenly makes comp- uh, complete sense in, in this context and um yeah uh, uh, and that's a process uh, you, you know i think we've been through kind of quite a few times in in radiohead as well it's had this trusting in that process as well it's you know there, there's that sense that stuff can be there in the background not necessarily going to lose it um but it will have its day at some point yeah yeah that's a beautiful way to think about it well it's been such a pleasure talking with you about the record um before we close things up i did want to ask you about another songwriter that you've worked with yeah you worked a lot with neil finn right oh yeah yeah now that's being up for some amazing projects with neil I wonder what you could tell me about uh, what you know working with him brought to your own sense of of songwriting. 
Okay, so the two key projects that I've worked on with with Neil, um, they're, they're extensions of each other, actually. So back in 2001, uh, I went down to with um, Ed O'Brien. We both went down to be part of a project that Neil was putting together down in New Zealand, uh, which was to kind of revisit his back catalogue of material and pull a band together to do shows together and and so you know there was Ed and myself, there was Johnny Marr, uh, Eddie Vedder was down there, Lisa Germano, it, it, it's an incredible group of musicians. Um, for me that was kind of like the first thing that I'd done out of Radiohead and so it was a crash course in, in, in working with a, a lot of other musicians and uh, kind of that, that did, I mean that was kind of opened up my ears it kind of really uh I benefited kind of a, a, a lot in terms of confidence from that as well and then um towards the end of that decade again Neil put together another project and this time it was kind of like with you know with this same same people from originally around but then with um members of Wilco coming down, and Katie Tunstall. Um, the, the plan on that one was then to uh, write, record and perform a record. It was like about two and a half weeks. And uh, so I'd gone down originally as a drummer for that one. And but it was around the time when I was starting to really pull my songs together and, and trying to find my way through that. And um, I'd been playing stuff in the studio and uh, kind of Neil picked up on it and said, that's good. You should go and go and go and record that. And so you kind of find yourself in this situation where you're going into this um, wonderful studio with a wonderful producer with all these incredible musicians. And you're there thinking, oh, my God, I'm just going to present you one of my songs. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it worked. And it, it was um, that kind of, again, um, that was just one of those, that was a very significant, uh, I think, um, kind of process for me in kind of in developing as a songwriter. It gave me a lot of belief in, in that, in, in the idea that I could do it. Yeah. Um, and that people kind of took it seriously as as, as well. Um, so yeah, and, and Neil's incredible. I mean, he's just an incredible songwriter. So I mean, that's an inspiration to be around in itself. But it's also kind of the generosity that he brings to his his projects, um, and the um, you know, it's it's very open hearted, big hearted, and um, and just great music and 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 just attracts very like-minded people so yeah uh neil's uh, yeah i have uh i feel um yeah that that whole process was very significant for me kind of yeah. in my development as a songwriter well that's fantastic um well, to wrap up, you, you you mentioned some of the Wilco guys again, and so my final question will be, have you ever gone to the Wilco loft? Have you ever worked at the loft there in Chicago? I haven't had the invitation. God, you haven't would, had the invitation? Wouldn't that be fantastic? <laughs> well, maybe... <laughs> no, we've got to be. <laughs> I say maybe... Wouldn't that be a lovely place? 
Well, I could just I could see you doing all sorts of cool stuff there. I've never been either, but every time I look at photos or see anything from there, I'm like, that seems like it'd be a cool place to work. So I don't know. Yeah, maybe, doesn't it? Maybe we'll drop a bug. Maybe this will. Um, maybe this will get back to them somehow. I don't know. <laughs> oh, that would be lovely. <laughs> we'll get an in, we'll get an invite out to you. So yeah. <laughs> well, go on, Jason. Make it happen for me. Uh, we'll 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 do our best, and uh, in the meantime, you know, you'll just have to uh, uh, accept our 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 compliments on this great record. And and I thank, thank you, you. I, th- I thank you so much for for taking the time to to chat with me. And uh, as somebody who's who's long enjoyed your work, it was a real pleasure to get to speak with you about it. Oh well, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you as well, Jason. So thank you so much for your time. That's been uh, a lot of fun. Thank you. All right. We'll be well, and we'll talk again sometime. All right. You take care. Bye. Thanks, Phil. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in and being part of the show. I'm Jason P. Woodbury. I write, host, and produce Transmissions. Our program is edited by Andrew Horton. Our music comes from Frank Mastin drawn from his discography of gorgeous library music. You can find more by visiting maston.bandcamp.com. That's M-A-S-T-O-N.bandcamp.com. And while you're at it, check out his incredible Aquarium Drunkard Lanyap session. He covered one of my favorite Star Trek recordings. Our executive producer is Justin Gage. He founded Aquarium Drunkard way back in 2005. Don't miss his weekly radio show, The Aquarium Drunkard Show, on Sirius XMU, Channel 35, at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, every Wednesday. Transmissions is part of the TalkHouse Podcast Network. Visit TalkHouse for more interviews, fascinating reads, and podcasts. If you want to hear more from Phil, he did a great conversation with David Roundtree of Blur that you can listen to as part of the TalkHouse Podcast. We'll be back next Wednesday with another mind-blowing conversation, this one with Dorothy Moskowitz, who is a member of the pioneering psych combo, The United States of America. She's returned with a new album and group, The United States of Alchemy, and this record is apocalyptic, vivid, and absolutely riveting. It was a deep pleasure to join Dorothy to discuss it, and I hope you will return next week to listen. But be well in the meantime, and stay safe. This transmission is concluded.